And so we started a little company which we called Acorn Kids with a whole lot of children's bath products. And we had nothing, eh? We had no money. I was 100,000 rand overdrawn. We're living in our caravan. And the only thing I had was my A6, my, my Audi A6. And I said to my wife, right, I'm going to sell the car and I'm going to use the money to buy stock. So I sold the car, used the money to buy stock and Unreal. we put, put the stock on the shelf. And I said, okay, Acorn is open for business. This is My Product Tested, the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to success and all the market validation that happened along the way. In studio, as always, from the hype team, Miles Huafak and Cameron Calder, and here in studio this week, Richard Sletcher, founder and CEO of the South African multi-level marketing software, NetReady. Richard's philanthropic approach to business with the vision of creating more jobs for hardworking South Africans has allowed him to create a profitable company with a purpose. NetReady is providing access for growing businesses to a lucrative acquisition channel that previously held high barriers to entry and multiple layers of risk. Author of MLM for CEOs and prolific serial founder, Richard is no man shy of a technical device nor a podcast episode. And now leading the charge into the next big aggregated MLM platform for top companies. Welcome to the studio, Richard. Jeez, that sounds hectic. I want to meet this guy. <laughs> sounds amazing. You will today. <laughs> Richard, we're very excited to have you in studio. Oh, thank um, you. It, it has been a while since we've been wanting to get you in here, but um, you've been helping amazing MLM companies get their, their company off the ground and producing millions in revenue every month, which is amazing that it's coming through the NetReady software. But for us today in this very room, what is NetReady? Well, we're a software company primarily with the focus on creating systems that run multi-level marketing businesses. Now, in my um, multi-level marketing businesses, I sort of have a, a general overview of what they are. But in my sort of world, it is the ultimate micro business. It's a business where a person can put a small amount of money down, can get access to systems and, and, and leverage systems that are out there, buy products and sell them on for a profit, and then get people to do the same for them. So our software tracks all of that stuff. It tracks who's um, purchased the products, who is their team leader, who needs to get paid commission. So it does all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I suppose that's kind of the previous barrier to entry that these guys didn't have such easy and accessible way for them to reach this very lucrative channel that these guys could, could actually work on. But I'm very interested to how we got to today. You know, NetReady, this uh, very successful business now and you know helping loads of these companies. But... Back when it first started, you you know worked for a number of com companies and have loads of experience. Has that experience that you've done with all these different companies, how has that sort of influenced and shaped NetReady, you know, in the past when you started the the initial company, and how that's sort of grown over time to to today? Yeah, look, I think I think every I don't think any experience is wasted. So you know, I sort of cut my teeth in the advertising industry so we had a recording studio which became a recording studio for advertising companies and then it became a recording studio for our own ad company so uh, my sort of background is in in sort of recording and advertising and then I got involved in helping launch a courier company 
um, company called Burko. And sort of that kind of, there was a whole lot of experience about just general managing of businesses and running of businesses. And what I realized during the advertising time, working with various different clients, is that in actual fact, business is business is business. Whether you're selling porridge or you having running trucks on the road or whatever, fundamentally, they're all the same. Um, and so when we when we decided to start NetReady, it was a my focus on, was on how could we create a micro business that used all of the fundamentals, but that somebody could actually get into it without having to lay out the huge capital that you have to lay out in in traditional business, and without the risk that goes along with traditional businesses. So kind of that's where the whole thing was born from. You know, we were I was sitting in this in, in so I was sitting in your father's. Believe it or not, do you know about this? I've I've heard a bit of the story, but not the <laughs> the full one. So I, I became a waiter. So what I did is I bought a lot of property and I waited for the money to come in every month. Fantastic job. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Okay, it's the most profitable uh, yeah. waiter out there. Yeah, no. So it was a fantastic job. And so your dad had this this um, wimpy, and it had this play area that was like out of a fairyland it was amazing it was this huge play area that had these trees and everything and it. it was incredible and so we used to go there with our kids and we'd sit and read the newspaper while the kids played in the in the in this this wonderland and we'd have breakfast there and we'd yeah. probably get there it's at nine o'clock when it opened and we'd leave there about one o'clock and the kids would have had a blast Anyway, we were sitting there and I was reading the newspaper, which probably your dad paid for. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the interesting thing was that in the newspaper, there was a statistic at the time that 23% or something like that, 23 or 24% of our people, South Africans, were unemployed at the time. And then the, the article went on to say that if you'd given up hope and you no longer were looking for a job because you didn't believe you'd find one, you didn't count. And they called that the expanded unemployment ratio which was over 30 percent and i remember saying to my wife look somebody really needs to do something about this you can't have a situation where in a country like ours where there's so much wealth that 30 percent of your people don't have a job yeah. it's like it, it's insane don't you think mm -hmm. so for me it was like wow this is terrible i said you know i was saying to my wife look somebody needs to do something about this and she said well you're sitting on your fat backside doing nothing why don't you do something about it and at the time, I thought, wow, you know, there's actually, you know, it, it, somebody could be me. You know, why not? I'm not doing anything. I don't have anything to do. I kind of get up in the morning, nothing to do, all day to do it in. Waitering. Waitering, exactly. I was a fantastic waiter. <laughs> Good at it as well, I must tell you. Hey, so patient. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting when you, when you hear about these businesses that come together. It's often the right recipe at the right time. And it seems that in this case, uh, you s sitting, reading a newspaper in Finding Neverland, run by Cam's dad, uh, just was the right moment at the right she time. Let me go goosey. <laughs> ah. and, uh, and that's kind of what kicks it off and, and gets it going to where it is today. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And then what I realized at the time is that there's no jobs. Because my first thing, my first thought was, okay, let's do training. Let's train people. Let's train them to do stuff that they can actually be productive in. But I realized there's no jobs. And in South Africa, with the way that our government has established the, the sort of employment landscape, where if you employ somebody, you can never get rid of them no matter what, and where it's extremely difficult to and, and onerous to have a... a, a group of staff and that South Africans were not employing people and on top of it the people who could employ people 
were leaving the country hand over fist. You know, we went from 18% of the population being, let's call it, educated white South Africans to 8%. Now, the people who left, those were the people who could have started companies and could have run companies and could have changed the, the landscape here, but they left. They've gone to Australia and to, to England and to wherever. So you're seeing a shrinking population of people who can make it happen, and there's, so there's no job. So you can't even train somebody to do a job because the job doesn't exist in the first place. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. And so what we thought is that the only way you could do this is through opportunity. If you could create opportunity, then you could provide a way for people to actually earn money, put food on their table, roof over their heads. So then the thing is, okay, how do we create opportunity? And at the time, I, the Amway had just come into the country. I don't know if you guys have heard of Amway. Yeah. And so I got invited to an Amway meeting, and I went along there, and I must say, it knocked me on my ass. I thought, wow, this is incredible. They have got this product range. They've got this compensation plan. You paid a few bucks to get in. I think at the time it was 1,200 rands. You get into the business. You buy the products. You sell the products. You make a profit. You put a roof over your head and food on the table. I thought, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So we then went out and... <clears throat> I thought, well, what I need to do is I need to create a vehicle systems that allow any manufacturer in South Africa to get into this space. So you manufacturing whatever product, why not get this, this massive workforce out there who's desperate for a way to make a living? Why not get them involved, get them to sell the products, market the products, and generate for themselves a profit? And, of course, the manufacturers get a profit as well. So I thought, well, that's what we're going to do. So... We took all of the property that we had and we turned it into ones and noughts on a computer. <laughs> I was no longer able to be a waiter. So we literally, I sunk everything I had into the, to the project, everything. And it took us, it was supposed to take six months, took two years. It was supposed to cost 500,000 rands. I won't even begin to tell you how much it cost yeah. because it's just emotionally draining. <laughs> it was solidly expensive. And two years down the road, we finally had version one, minimum viable product, which we then took to the market. And I couldn't get people to take it for free. The guys had one look at this and they said, oh, pyramid scheme. And literally, I went from manufacturer to manufacturer. I knocked on doors one after the other and I couldn't give the software away. So we landed up at the end of year three. So it was three years in. We'd gone from being a waiter to having a piece of software that we couldn't sell, <laughs> to having, genuinely, I moved into my caravan, my wife and I, and I said to her, listen, if we're going to survive this, we're going to have to start a multi-level marketing company of our own to prove this works. Yeah. And so we started a little company which we called Acorn Kids with a whole lot of children's bath products. And... We had nothing, eh? We had no money. I was 100,000 rand overdrawn. We're living in our caravan. And the only thing I had was my A6, my, my Audi A6. And I said to my wife, right, I'm going to sell the car and I'm going to use the money to buy stock. So I sold the car, used the money to buy stock. And Unreal. we put, put the stock on the shelf. And I said, okay, Acorn is open for business. And we went out there and we started to recruit distributors. And within, I mean, it was extreme. It was brutal, hey, because obviously we're living out of the money that I got for selling my car, and we're trying, <laughs> trying to smoke products and recruit people and train them. 
But in month six, I think, we did like 600,000 rands worth of sales. Oh, my goodness. And then this thing just took off. And then I thought, well, geez, I'm crazy. I should never sell the software because it's such a competitive advantage that if you sell the software, I'm going to have people competing with me in yeah. the space. Of course, at that moment, everybody wanted the software, naturally. You don't want to sell it? Everybody, everybody wants it. So I got a call from a couple of big companies. Old Mutual was one of them. Uh, Vox Telecoms was another. And those were big ticket companies. Yeah. And so that really put NetReady on the map and we went from there. Just just like. But it was the first the first three years was rough, eh? You. <laughs> you know, I thought that we were going to I thought it was going to be a breeze. Yes. I mean it was such a logical concept. I should have tested the market. But I was so gung ho and I thought, yes, we are <laughs> up and running. Man. I mean, before you got to the turning your caravan into a warehouse, which was basically what you ended up doing before you could actually start selling the you're now putting 500k or perceived 500k before it turned into what this bigger investment amount was that's a pretty big bet on a problem that you're trying to solve yeah look it didn't enter my head that this thing was going to fail it didn't it actually didn't enter my head when i came up with the concept i was so absolutely convicted that this is the way to go. I had this absolute 100% conviction that if I could create systems, we could actually give hundreds of thousands of South Africans the opportunity to put food on the table and a roof over their heads. So that conviction was so strong that it didn't enter my head that people wouldn't actually kind of buy into it. I was stunned when people said no. I was like, what do you mean no? And this is the most ridiculously epic thing that has ever yeah. been thought of. And you're saying no to me. I mean, it was... it was. <laughs> I think that's definitely part of it, though, is that conviction. You need to have that. Because yeah. uh, if you don't have that, then you're going to fall on your ass. Yeah, and look, also the other thing, I'm, I'm actually fearless. So living in a caravan holds no fear for me. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I do what is necessary and I just head down, ass up, and I'll make it happen. So although we went to that point, I mean, for my wife, it was hard, eh? Because, I mean, we had five kids. <laughs> so so this is not just like me living in a caravan. This is like me and five kids. thought that would be the first thing you'd uh, bring up when <laughs> moving. Yeah, well, I must be honest. I've only just discovered what's causing these kids, so I'm yeah. stopping that business now. <laughs> not doing that anymore. <laughs> stopping that. Yeah, so, yeah, so... That was, but that was brutal because I was very fortunate. There was a friend of mine. I was, I was, um, I was in a group called CBMC, which is the Christmas Christian Businessmen's Committee, and a friend of mine. Um, I we I went there and I said to them, guys, this is what's happening. And I said, I've sold my car and I'm buying some stock with the car and I'm going to get up and running. And he just built a a warehouse, like he'd built these small warehouses around the corner here, and like. 10 minutes drive from here and he said to me i'll let you use the warehouse for six months for free and so that like was a massive saving grace for us so we managed to get into the warehouse stock went into the warehouse i bought a an old like a 50 year old um peugeot it was an <laughs> old brown rusted affair if you took your hands off the steering wheel, it's like, <laughs> it, would, it would duck left, you know. You'd like to have to drive it hanging onto it for your life. 
you know, to get to work and back. And yeah, so that was a, an interesting affair. But once we got Vox up and running, because they went in 18 months, they got to 800 million rands in billable minutes. So that thing just went ballistic. And then although Old Mutual never really got off the ground in terms of going for the MLM thing, it gave us a, a huge amount of cash flow because obviously that was a big project and we did a lot of custom development for them. So we got a massive amount of cash, cash flow from, from them and also a massive amount of cash flow from the Vox project. And then that allowed us to kind of start getting into helping companies get into the space, start trading in the space, build up a network of people. And yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the, the first big bet on the software. The, the one was the opportunity to help all these people put food on the table and a roof over their head. But there also needs to be a problem that you're solving for the businesses so that the businesses can operate. Was that accessibility that they were struggling with or you know, how easy was it for them to just launch an MLM business? Well, it turns out it's quite difficult. It turns out it's actually really difficult and we'll kind of get into that in a minute. But um, at the time, the biggest challenge that you had was that when we launched, the internet was still in its infancy and we were one of the first companies in the world to have a um, SaaS offering so this was sitting on the internet so it was completely um, new everybody was doing business via like client server applications in other words your pc sits in the office you've got a server sitting in the office yeah the applications come in by on paper somebody captures them into the computer so we revolutionized that thing by having the SaaS operation it was sitting out there on the internet and people could register on their own and so uh, this, the problem that we were solving at the time was, A, for anybody in South Africa to access the systems online, to purchase online from you, we had like an e-commerce play there, which was like unique at the time. Mm. And the second um, solution, the second sort of problem we were solving is these businesses are complex. They're, in they're incredibly complex. You can have thousands of levels of people deep, and everybody's in some form of genealogy, all connected to each other. And somebody down here does something that causes a cascading effect of people getting promoted and getting paid commissions and all sorts of stuff sort of uh, um, ripple up the, the network. And so the software has got to be pretty sophisticated to, to deal with all of that. And so that was the second problem we were solving. So creating this whole online environment where the guys could buy their stock and we could deliver it to them and then calculating the commissions and the genealogy and the ranks and the promotions and all of that. So so then after first launching, do you think the, because obviously you had to almost prove the concept through your own business. So you ended up being the first customer of your own business. Damn right, yeah. To prove so that there's a market. To yeah. prove that it was possible. And it was incredibly successful. I mean, Acorn Kids is still going today. So that's 18 years down the road. Acorn Kids is still running. So we set up a business that has got, I think they've got about 10,000 agents. So 10,000 people putting food on their table, roof over their heads. And that's been going for 18 years. I mean, that's quite amazing, yeah, hey? Amazing. You know, and selling, selling these kids' bath products, and they, they're beautiful. And it's the same products that we developed back then are, are still selling today. You know, the same different products that turn, turn the bath different colors and bubble baths with stars in them and you know all sorts of unusual products it's the same product still running today and still successful so yeah it's amazing so so what do you think were essentially the key insights from testing the first product well look 
for, from my perspective, mm. you can sell anything using this method of, of trading. Mm. Understand that everybody knows people and it's people business. So I know people. And if you look at business, if you just break business down to the fundamental of what is a business, a real business now. I'm not talking about if you're a professional and you're the magic. I'm talking about like a proper business. You've got systems in a real business. So those systems include your accounting systems and your websites and your warehousing and you know all of the systems that go into making the business happen. You've got that and then you've got sales and marketing on the other side, which is either through a retail type scenario or it could be direct sales you know telecall telesales that kind of thing so those are the two sides of the business now with with what we're doing is we are leveraging those systems so so when we created this thing it's it's the business that we were providing that we could provide to any human being to come in and leverage that and go out and be that retail component so for me that was kind of really if you talk about a key insight, it was discovering that all businesses are systems and that retail is just, the differentiator here is retail is not in a retail environment. Retail is in a human being. It's, it's vested in an individual person who can now go out there and say, well, I can make this as big or small as I want. I can market the hell out of this and build a, a massive client base or I can just literally go hand to mouth and feed myself. I don't know whether I got off the point there. Did no, I drift off absolutely. the point? I think it would be a case of law of averages. And then if you have people going out and marketing themselves just to put food on the table, you'll also get those those marketers that will do it so much better than that and scale it up so much more. So by law of averages, yeah. you're going to eventually scale regardless. Yeah, look, yes. So that is exactly what happened with Acorn Kids. And we've done that with a couple of other companies as well. Mm. Um so that is definitely the truth. You get a you get an S curve within these businesses. You it kind of starts on a linear basis, and at some point you get enough people that you get a thing called critical mass, and then the business goes vertical, and you're literally doubling your 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 turnover and your membership every month. And then at some stage you get to let's not call it saturation, but the business basically sort of taps off. You don't. You can't. Obviously, you can't just grow exponentially forever. There's no. It's mathematically impossible. So it taps off. So you get this S curve. Now, one of the things that we discovered, and this is why I know, I'd like to get into Dream Team in a minute. But one of the things that we discovered with this whole process is that there were a couple of different kind of clients we got. There were the clients who couldn't get off the ground at all. They they didn't either have the skill set or the insights or the desire to really do what it took to get a network off the ground. So we had these guys who'd come to us, they'd pay for the system, they would run the system for six months, nothing would happen, then they just drop off the system and now multi-level marketing doesn't work. We had the other kind of guys who were really killer at producing networks. They could recruit up a storm, but they had no idea how to run the business. And so we had one of our clients, I'm not going to mention their name if you don't mind, but we took them in, in eight months, they got to 52 or 57 million rands turnover in eight months from zero. So this business went vertical. But of course their background, you know, the one guy had been a taxi driver, another guy had been whatever, and they didn't have the skills to actually run a big business like that. I mean, a 50 million rand a month business, Huge. that's a big business. Yeah. Okay. 
And they had all of this cash. And so they went out and they bought themselves fancy houses and fancy cars. And I mean, I went up to Joburg. The guy picks me up in his Ferrari. And I mean, awesome. and then he's now got to buy 57 million rands worth of stock. And of course, he spent 40 million of it on houses and all sorts of things. Now he doesn't have the cash to buy the stock. Because of the size of the order he's putting in, the guy wants guarantees. The, the supplier says, listen, I'm not giving you 50 million rands of the stock without guarantees. Now he spent his money. And so the supplier wouldn't supply him, and he crashed the whole business. So it goes from naught to 50 million in, in eight months, and from 50 million to naught in one month. He should have taken a leaf out of your book and sold the Ferrari to buy stock. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have bought the Ferrari in the first place. You know? um, so that's the second kind of, uh, kind of guys that we've got. Mm. And then the... Then this sort of we do have a sort of a, a group of clients. We've got a group of clients who've been successful, who've actually been able to hold it together. And generally, we find that those people have got great business background intrinsically. They come from a business background. They understand how to run businesses. They've put the right people in place, and those businesses fly. But when Stuart and I, your brother, when we sat down and started to work out, I, I said to him, listen, we need to put a course together for everybody to teach them how to do this industry. And we started writing out all of the videos we needed to create. We got halfway through the list and we had a, our whiteboard was literally full. There wasn't a square millimeter to put another video on and we were only halfway through. And I said to him, Stuart, there's no way the average person can do this. It's impossible. I was so, I mean, I was ready at the time down in the dumps because I realized that if you didn't have a, a company, a proper company with real money behind them to launch these businesses, the chances of, of succeeding were like extremely low. And so what we've decided to do now is the Dream Team project, which we've got two different projects. We've got a project called um, Dream Team, which is for like more serious companies. And then we've got a project called Ignition Plus, which is for like smaller companies. And the bottom line, what we're doing there is we're providing everything. So we're providing the warehousing, the billing, the accounting, the support, absolutely everything you need to run these multi-level marketing businesses. The company ships the product into our warehouse. They go out and they build their network and we handle all of the backend stuff. We handle the training. We teach the guys how to sell the product. We, we handle the, the, um, the events. We handle the everything. Because I've realized that if you leave this in the guy's hands, it's just too big an ask for most people. Most people don't have the skill set to do it. So, I mean, before we go into Dream Team, because this is a very exciting, because this is where we are now and where we're going as well. So it's a very pivotal moment, although yeah. we kind of passed the threshold. But there's a couple of things that have happened to get to where we are. And the interesting thing is, that especially when it comes to SaaS that's performance-based, when you look at uh, email marketing software, say MailChimp, it's performance-based as well. If you go into email, if you aren't making sales with email, you're going to ditch the software. Yes. And it's up to MailChimp or the provider of the software to make it as easy as possible to make money or to increase performance. Yeah. And now you have NetReady doing this where there's so many different pieces and variables that come into play. And for you to try pull all of these together and make a manual blueprint for these guys to succeed, 
there's so many use cases and so many different products, so many different audiences that they have to go after. And to actually cater for that versus the MailChimp where you're just doing a couple of webinars and ebook downloads to get people to where they are, it's too much of a challenge. And I mean, it would have taken months and months of work to just get the resources together. And then you've got to try to get them to implement it, which, yeah. which you can't force anyone to no. do. I mean, we had a client, we just, we've just launched Dream Team, as you know, and we had a client who we spent an inordinate amount of time trying to tell them what to do. And honestly, it feels like if I said, go left, they deliberately went right. That's what it feels like. I'm sure that's not the truth. At the end of it, after implementing everything we said in the opposite way to what we asked them, they say to me, look, there's a flaw in your, in your thinking. And so there's a level of frustration that comes from that, which is, again, why this whole dream team thing comes to part. Because I can give you the information, but if you don't do what I say, and I mean, you can do what you like, it's your business, but I mean, if the person doesn't do what 31 years of experience is telling him to do and then tanks it, I mean, all it does is frustrate me and it leaves Net really looking bad in everybody's eyes because they tanked. And I can promise you, the directors of the companies never, ever say, damn it, we really didn't do the right things here. They're just looking for somebody to blame. And of course, now we have, they said to me there was a flaw in our thinking. At Dream Team, we went out and we implemented exactly the same strategy. Exactly. And we're four days in. And we're sitting with over 4,000 applicants to our project. 4,000 people applying. Hey? These, these are people who want to join us. So in what they achieved, our client achieved in six weeks, we've achieved in under four days. So this is why we want to actually say to the guys, listen, get out of your own way. Okay? We know what we're doing. We are absolute experts at this. Bring us your products, come and build your network, but we are going to control the entire narrative here, everything, from how the product gets shipped, everything. And then your chances of success, like, go through the roof. And, of course, you make shed loads of money. And my frustration levels are <laughs> nice and low, which is the big thing, my frustration levels to stay low. I've got a... Um very interesting question to ask you because okay. we're going back what we 18 years in with net ready being live and when you first started 21 years 21 years now we started in 2000 yeah so 21 years when you first started it was unbelievable how attractive the software in your eyes would be for these businesses and struggling to convert these businesses to actual paying customers you then started your own business to become the customer. And now, 20 years later, you're at a point where you're having frustrations with you know, these guys that aren't taking a blueprint or aren't implementing things as well as they should. And now we're moving into Dream Team where you now are becoming somewhat the customer or at least taking a lot of the ownership. No, well, not really, to be honest with you. So let's say you've got a product. Okay, you want to get into multi-level marketing. 
you can come to us and you can utilize our software. And our software is the best software for this in this space. There's nothing like it. It's unbelievable. We can talk about all of what it does, but it is an incredible piece of software. So if you wanted to, you can absolutely come along and you can take the software on and you can go out and run your business. But if you start breaking down what you need in order to run a business like this, the first thing is you need a warehouse. Then you need stock holding. So that's that's big money. You need a, a call center so, uh, and people who are going to answer the phones, do all of that kind of stuff. You're going to need your accounting system. You're going to need system administrators to administer the software. You're going to need trainers, guys who are going to train it. You've got to have event managers because this business is fraught with events. And so when you start adding up all of the different skills and all of the different hats you wear, and what this is what Stuart and I did, when you start adding all of those up, you get to a point where you realize that the average person, how do they do that? Either they've got to have big money so that they can employ people in all of those yeah. verticals to deal mm -hmm. with that, or they've got to be incredibly skilled in, in their own right to handle all of that. And so our approach is not that we want to be the customer. We don't. Mm. If I wanted products, I can go out tomorrow, get 100 products, stick it into a multi-level marketing business and go. That's absolutely not where I want to be. What I'm saying to the clients is those are all the pain points. So I've listed all of the pain points in our presentation. So these are the pain points that you're going to have to deal with. All of those things cost money. All of those things need to be managed. All of those things have the people problems, the HR problems, etc. I'm saying to them, look, get into multi-level marketing. It's incredibly lucrative. Let us handle all of this garbage. We know how to do it. We've been doing it for donkey's years. We've started MLM businesses. We've launched MLM businesses. We understand this stuff. Leave the pain points to us. Put your product in. Let us teach you how to go out and build a network and then go and do one thing really well. Go and build the network. So your job is make sure we've got enough stock and build your network. And then just leave us to handle, I call it the toilet paper work. You know, every job's got the toilet paper. So let us deal with the toilet paper and you just go out and do the enjoyable stuff. Go and build the network and we will, I mean, we even, we, we're setting up, for example, in September, we've got our, our big national convention. We're handling all of that. Our guys are setting up the, the rooms and they're booking the talent and they're booking the, we handle it all for you. And so that, I think, is what sets NetReady now apart, is that if you want to use our software, fantastic, there it is, off you go, we'll train you how to use it, awesome. But if you really want to be successful in the space, then this Dream Team project is the way to do it because you don't have any pain. I mean, imagine, put the product in, build the network, somebody else deals with all of the noise. Happy days. That's my opinion anyway. So, so what's the difference? Because when you when you initially started in the the pitch back in the day, when you you know you first started and then had to create Acorn Kids to convince them, that pitch back then where it was you know use the software and you can get access to this amazing channel. Yes. Today, how do what's the difference in the pitch? Well, it's use the software and our systems. So all we've done is we've added onto the software all of the back-end systems. So now when you come to NetReady, you're not just coming to NetReady as a software provider. You're now coming to NetReady as a solution provider. And we solve all your problems. The whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Soup to nuts. 
And what's the reaction now, chatting to these businesses? Well, look, a couple of things is we've attracted some amazingly big players into this. The, the brand partners who have come along um, to be part of this um, Dream Team project are, are heavyweights. We've got some some really good players involved. We've got some big venture capitalists who have, are putting their weight behind it. So that is quite exciting. Oh, that's another thing. I mean, while we're on the topic, one of the massive problems is once you start growing that exponential curve, you have to finance the stock. Because if you sell four times as much stock as you you know as you did last month, you have to buy 16 times as much to to keep track with the growth that you're going through. Do you understand what yeah. I mean? Mm. So you actually have to have access to capital. And that's another thing what we that we're doing with the, the Dream Team project is we've got venture capitalists who are providing us with that capital so that when this business goes, when your business goes, you can access cash to keep up with the, the levels of, of stock demand that, that are in play. You know, it's it's yeah. those are the kind of problems that we are solving now. So the software is still brilliant. The software is the best in the world. But now you get all of that back-end stuff as well. And so you talked about in the beginning the the things that you've learned that have changed your trajectory, I think is that's how you put yeah. it, eh? And I mean, that's it. You know, going through this this exercise with these with our clients and seeing how they struggle in all of these spaces has just given us that insight to know how to help them and how to set them free of that stuff and how to make them successful. Yeah, there's almost these, uh, I mean, we've chatted about it in our previous episodes, is that there's these moments of struggle or friction points and you have it with, you know, what's just happened now and you're trying to get these guys to grow and you can only do so much until you realize that you've put in so much effort for the reward that just isn't there that you believe can be there. Mm. And you're almost pulling your hair out going, how are we going to do this? There's no possible answer that we can at least see that would be worthwhile. That's a moment of struggle or friction that you go, here's actually an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So so the obviously, as you say, the friction presented itself first and the opportunity was a was a way for us to reduce that friction and to make this a much more slippery, seamless process for the clients. And it's exciting. I yeah. see you're looking at your watch. Are we overshooting the time? No, right? not at all. I was just uh, getting a phone call. But oh, really? One of my MLM clients. <laughs> it's, it's someone calling in for a couple of questions. <laughs> I thought I was overshooting the market. No, not at all. No, so, so Richard, what does the, the roadmap look like from a product perspective? Or is Dream Team up and live and, you know, us being sort of visual thinkers, what does that look like? Is it, you know, is it this online store that you get these recruiters and applicants that guys can buy their, their starter packs or they can buy and transact on here? What does that look like now visually? And are you looking to add to this product over the next sort of six to 12 months? Well, what we're looking at at the moment is we're trying to find the, the sort of the, the um, movers and shakers, the, the sort of the influencers who are going to own the top of the network. So what we've done is we've created this campaign where you can apply for the top of the network. You can say, listen, I'm interested in owning the top position in the network, and I'm interested in being that influencer who will help you build this massive um, global network. So we're looking for those people. And the way that we're doing it is you can apply to be a top member of the network, 
And then to prove that you are a mover and shaker, what you do is you go out and you get people to vote for you. So every vote you get, I think you get four points per vote. I can't remember now. So you get points for every vote you get. And then every time one of your voters applies as well, you get additional points. And so what we're looking for is not only people who can get votes, but people who can get their, their voters to apply and in turn get votes. And this is why we've got all of this traction. Four days, we've got nearly 4,000 people who have applied. Four days. I mean, that's just insane. I can't believe exciting. it. Yeah. yeah. So this, we've got a 30, this is a 35-day sprint where we are just building up this massive lead bank. And the whole idea is to identify those top performers, the guys who can get a lot of votes and a lot of people to apply. Those people are then going to be offered the top positions in the network based on the, the number of votes and points they've got. So the guy with the most will be offered the top, and then we'll work down the network, giving everybody positions down the network. That's the incentive for them. That's the incentive for them to get the top of the network. And so that's where we are now. And then on the 4th of next month, um, we will be offering, on the 4th, we'll be offering the top performers the opportunity to register. And they'll then register and get their starter kits and we'll ship those out to them. And then as soon as we've got past those top uh, sort of one or 200 people, we'll then open the doors and start uh, um, recruiting aggressively. And of course, the products, the projects got all of these incredible brand partners with all these amazing products. And, and that's another differentiator. You know, in traditional multi-level marketing, I go and sell for this company, then I want to sell some other products. Maybe this company doesn't do children's products. So I go and join that company over there and I sell some children's products. And then I need weight loss products. So I join this other company. And you find that these people have joined five or six or ten different multi-level mm. marketing companies. And we can see this because when we look into our databases, we can see one person like spread over 10 different clients. We can see that they've joined all of these different businesses. And that's another key thing with this Dream Team project is that you join one business, you're in one network, and then you can access all of the different products from all the different brand partners and sell any one of them and earn commission as if you'd have joined that company. It's all part of your commission structure and your commission flow. So right now, it's the voting and application and voting process. And on the fourth, we open it up limited for those top performers. And then probably by about the 10th, it will be all open. And then we'll that will be a, what we call a pre-launch phase. And then in September, I think the 17th of September is the, is the official national launch. Um, so, so 21 years of being in the MLM business, is, it's, it's kind of all coming down to this year. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's exciting, it's eh? Super exciting. Yeah. And and sure. and when I look at the kind of people that are involved and the brand partners that have actually thrown their hat into the ring here with us and the quality of these guys and the quality of the companies behind the brands, mm. it just blows me away. Mm. It just like well, I think there it is, guys. It only takes 21 years to put together a, <laughs> a <laughs> successful MLM business. Oh, anybody, six hoping, yeah, <laughs> six anybody hoping to jump into it has uh, got 20 years ahead of them. So, Look, again, just I just want to peel back. I hear what you're saying, but we have a guy like Timbela from Galelo who started at the beginning of last year. And from zero until the end of last year, at the end of last year, he had 90,000 agents. 
Wow. He was shipping somewhere somewhere in the region of, and I stand to be corrected here, he was shipping somewhere in the region of 30,000 orders a month from a cold start in 12 months. So I understand it is doable. Yeah, mm, definitely. But he's special. But I mean, that's it. You, you know, the moments of struggle that you've had is because there is a, a blueprint that exists, and that's why you guys are doing this, mm. the stream team as well, that there is a certain recipe it's never going to be perfect. Everyone has a different product with a different audience. But there are guys that get it right. And when they get it right, then that's why it is a lucrative channel for them. And also the changes people's lives. There's 100,000 people putting a roof over their head and food on their table. Yeah. That's just one client, and we've got a lot. So the impact that NetReady has had in the space is huge. But with the Dream Team project, I honestly believe the impact is going to be exponentially greater. Mm. Yeah. And the fountainhead is right here in South Africa. The fountainhead is here. So when we break into Europe and the UK and Canada and the US and South America and Australia and these places, that's going to be pounds and dollars and euros and yen yeah. and everything flowing, soups flowing back into South Africa from and back into the pockets of the South African people who got into this thing early. That's that's super exciting. That's the goal. So that's it. 300,000 South Africans is our goal. We want to put food on the table, roof of the head, 300,000 South Africans. Mm. I think that's definitely the most in inspiring part of the story is that growing your business grows everybody else's business. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing to me, yeah. Uh, so, Richard, I think something super interesting that's come out of this is a lot of people out there aren't ready to start their own business. Uh, and NetReady provides that solution for those people that are but what is your advice to the people that aren't the first the first thing is that you need to understand that you're making a choice one way or the other okay if you choose to continue in whatever job you're doing let's take it and, and it's 90 about 96 percent of people are employed they're either self-employed or they're employed so let's just break down what that looks like either you've got a job you're working for somebody okay you get up every morning, you go to the salt mine, I'm putting that in inverted commas, you put in your eight hours, you come home at night, at the end of the month, the boss pays you. Now, he doesn't pay you what you're worth because you're priceless. I mean, you wouldn't give me your pinky finger for 100,000 rands. Well, <laughs> okay, maybe. Maybe you would. <laughs> but the reality is, if yeah. I said I'll give you 100 grand, you cut off your finger, you'd... Yeah. I mean, you, and that's just your pinky finger. You're priceless. So no boss can pay you what you're worth. So what they do is they pay you what the job is worth. And in actual fact, they pay you what the job is worth up until the amount, just above the amount that you would leave. So they're just paying you enough to keep you. Okay? Why? Because is their goal to make you financially independent or is their goal to make themselves financially independent? Themselves. Obviously. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not... Person who's got a job is going, getting their, their work done, etc. Fantastic. I've got no, I'm not trying to be a down on that. Okay. But the bottom line is that you need to realize if you've got a job, you need to realize that that is, that is your life. That you've, that's the choice you've made. Now, just think about it. How much time do you have for yourself? Very little because you sleep eight hours, you work eight hours. So in between there, you're traveling, you're commuting, you're getting home. You got a bit of a weekend over, but I put those people into a time poverty categories. They they time poor. 
if they are like professionals, so we call those people self-employed, or they're running their own, um, I don't know, they've bought a franchise or whatever, that person is the magic in the business, okay? So there's no ways they can leave. A friend of mine bought a, a franchise here, and I'm not going to mention the name Wimpy, so because <laughs> we don't want anybody to know which <laughs> no. one it was. So, But he bought this franchise, and it cost him a lot of money, millions, to set it up. And then he said to me that he has to be there to open up in the mornings, and he has to be there to close. And in actual fact, he has to be there all day as well to make sure that things don't go pear-shaped. He tried putting management in, and it was a complete catastrophe. He said to me that when they deliver the beef, the cattle are still alive. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, they must be because they graze the salad and they walk straight out the back door. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then when he told me what he actually earns on a monthly basis for this, I was like shattered. And I said, well, what happens if you just took a year out and you didn't go to work for a year? He said, well, the business would be gone. So the bottom line is that what he did is he bought a job from a person called a franchisor. He bought the job. That's mm -hmm. what he did. Now he owns the job. And the franchisor is getting the bucks. They are financially cruising. Mm -hmm. He's working his guts out, working for the most difficult person on the planet himself, who's expecting the most ridiculous hours, the most ridiculous commitment, the most ridiculous everything. So on the one side, you've got a job where you're working for somebody else. You've got no time. You've got no money, probably. Or you've got a franchise or whatever. Maybe you've got more money, but you still are time poor. Or you're a professional. A friend of mine's a, a surgeon. And he says to me, I said to me, when last did you go on holiday? He said, well, I haven't been on holiday for years. I said, well, why not? He says, because when I'm sitting on the beach, I could be in the surgery. And if I was in the surgery, I'd be earning like 10,000 rand an hour. So he says, while I'm sitting on the beach, I'm thinking to myself, this well, hour money. <laughs> is costing me 10,000 rands to sit on this beach. The most expensive holiday on the planet. So he said, I can't take a holiday. I can't enjoy it. So he is financially rich. I mean, he's like big house, big car, big everything. Mm -hmm. But his time, absolutely time devastatingly poor because he can't, he works weekends, he works whenever. Nights, 18 hours a day because obviously every time, hour he doesn't work, costing him money. So that is 96% of humanity. Okay. So I say to people, look, that is a choice. You can cho choose to go down that road. You can choose to spend your next 40 years working to make your boss financially independent, squandering the time you have, and it's the most precious, valuable thing in your world is your time. And you can get to the end of that 40 years, and you can take your paycheck, your, your retirement, and you can hope like hell that you die before your money runs out. And for most people, that is their choice. And you said that most people are not ready to start their own business. Well, I understand that because they're in this, they're trapped in this, in this space. But if you were to go out there and say, okay, I'm actually willing to take a chance. I'm willing to actually go and go for the brass ring, go for it. And maybe I fail once, maybe I fail 10 times. So what? Keep on going for it until you actually get it right. Then you can set yourself free. Now, let's just talk about what a business is because we've talked about franchises. We've talked about professions and self-employed. A business is a combination of systems and people. The guys who own pick and pay, the top shareholders, they don't care, the, care whether a, a person rocks up at the till or not. There's somebody to handle that. 
They don't care how the systems work. There's systems people to handle that. What they're doing is they're le leveraging systems and they're leveraging people. And if they don't pitch up for a year, two years, five years, won't make an ounce of difference to the way pick and pay runs. Pick and pay runs smoothly every day. Yeah. So the secret here is not to become self-employed. When you talked about starting a business, it's not to go and start a business that puts you back in the place where you were working for a boss. And that's what most people do. They give up their jobs and they go and buy a job. They go and buy themselves a, a, a business, which puts them straight back into where they were. Maybe they've got a little bit more money, but they're still time poor. The idea is to, when you start a business, you need to build it in such a way that you are totally redundant to the whole process. That if you're there, mm -hmm. it runs. If you're not there, it runs. Now, that's where this, the whole multi-level marketing play comes in, if you take it seriously. And a lot of people get into it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they think it's a, they, they, they're just having a punt. They think it's a gamble. It's like going to the casino. Mm. Oh, let me stick my bucks in and see what happens. Well, if, that's your, if that is your approach to any business, would you agree with me that you're wasting your time? Definitely. It's completely stupid. Mm. If you think you can go to any business and say, oh, let me stick in 800 bucks and see what happens. I mean, it's ludicrous to have that concept. In our space, a lot of people seem to have that concept. I'll put my money and see what happens. But for people who take this business seriously, what they need to realize is that there's a company who's put all of the systems together. There's the warehouses and there's the staff and there's the support teams and there's the financial um, services mechanisms that are in there. There's the picking, packing, delivering, shipping, returning. That system is in place. That entire system is a rock solid and it's in place. Okay. So you can come along, you can buy the products, and you can resell them. They're providing you with e-commerce platforms, so you can just go market your e-commerce platform, sell this product. This entire engine kicks in, and it sells to you. And on top of it, the company is going to market to those customers because they want those customers to continue buying. So you could build up a client base, and then you could take your hands off the business, and the client base would continue to, to buy, and you continue to earn. And in Dream Team, you earn 30%. So can you imagine... If you just got a, let's say, 100,000 100, rand a month in, in online sales, which is nothing in the e-commerce space, that's 30,000 rand a month. And you don't have to be there. You don't have to deliver a single product. You don't have to take the money. You don't have to nothing. You market. You get the people to come to the site. The people buy the product. You get 30%. So that's the concept of leveraging the systems. You do nothing. You build up enough customers. This thing will get guaranteed get a life of its own and it will just continue to grow and you can sit there and you're leveraging systems. The beauty becomes now, if you want to become seriously wealthy, you can leverage people. And the way that that works is you go to your friends or to people that you know, or people you don't know, and you say to them, look, how would you like to start your own business where you've got very, very little overhead, where you've got absolutely no capital outlay and where you can earn 30% by running your own e-commerce platform? And what the company does, remember it's all system-based, the company says, hey, if you sign up a bunch of people, we're going to take up to 40% of the turnover of the company and pay it out between those people. So you can now leverage an entire team. You can train up a team, a huge team of leaders who go out and build a network, and you can then sit back, literally sit back, and you can watch your team and the systems kick in and generate you cash, whether you get out of bed or not. 
Now, obviously, you don't get there doing nothing. You have to apply yourself. But the beauty about this is that the systems are already in place. And there is a massive need in South Africa for opportunity. So you could go out there. You could give tens of thousands of people an opportunity. You could leverage the systems that are in play with the dream team. And you could have yourself a real business, real business, where you're not the magic. Where whether you get up or not, the business still kicks out the cash. And so that's what makes this thing so absolutely unbelievably, mind-blowingly exciting. Is that anybody, all they need is gumption. All they need is the ability to work hard. And this is why I say to people, okay, start a business. Make the choice not to be somebody else's lackey. Make the choice to work on your freedom rather than their freedom. Make the choice to get up every morning and work on setting yourself time and financially free. Okay? It's hard work. I mean, our closing statement when we close the guys, we don't say to them, hey, listen, do you want to get involved? We say to the guys, listen, how much money do you need to make to make this worth your while? Guy will say, what, a thousand rand. And then we say to them, okay, how many hours a week would you be prepared to put in to make that thousand rand and they give us the number of hours and then how many months are you prepared to do that and the reason we do that is because we need to focus the guys on the fact that this is work it's not a yeah. get rich quick scheme but i can tell you right now with every fiber of my being i believe that if you work at our business where we are providing you these incredible systems and you go out there and you leverage the human resources that are out there desperate for opportunity you can set yourself time and financially free without a question or shadow of a doubt. And that's what blows my mind about this. That's what's so exciting about it. That's what I love about it. So, yes, stop messing around. Start a business, but start a real business. Don't go and buy a franchise. Don't spend your pension on a taxi. A lot of guys get out, they spend their pensions on taxis thinking that's a get-rich-quick scheme, but it's not. It's a disaster. But here, for a small amount of money, you can get involved and you can go out and build a real business. So, Richard, we, we like to ask uh, an ending question for the episode. Because we know that everything's about testing. When you first started, there was a, a bet. I know I'm belittling your big idea back then, but it, it is a bet. A bet. And Always putting... never pulled off, eh? Yeah, I mean, but that's the what we say is that, you know, it's you kind of put your ego and your opinion aside to take in information from the market and the surroundings. And that's why you went into Acorn and that's why you slowly and eventually brought on all these different clients. And you almost want to kind of put your ego aside so that you can learn. And in those times of struggle, you can either pivot or realize that it's the wrong direction. But we do like to bet every now and again. And what do you sort of see in the next year or so that's going to be a key learning that you've picked up, you know, as you've entered these markets, there's always these learnings that come over time. Is there something that you kind of predicting that the, the audience might come back with? That's, that's a key learning that could impact the business. I know that, you know, all these years of the work that's been done, it makes the bet a little bit easier than back then. But does it? <laughs> well, that's what we need to see. You know, so, so it, at the end of the day, I, w I would say, if you show me a person who's never failed, I'll show you a person who's never tried. 
Okay, so I mean, if you're asking me, should somebody do something, do take their own bet, the answer for me would be absolutely. But you have to be fearless. You can't be scared that you're going to lose your house or scared that you're going to lose your car or scared that, you know, you've got to be absolutely fearless and go for it. And if you fail, you've just got to get up and do it again. And you've got to keep on doing it because success is not the ability. The success isn't about whether you fail or not. Success is your ability to recover from failure enough times to actually make the business happen. It's just a getting up one more time than you fall down. And so the dream team, I, I, I don't think it's a bet, but of course I've been wrong in the past. Um, I'm 100% convinced <laughs> and convicted that thing, this thing is going to shoot the lights out. Yeah. Um, and it's proving to be incredibly, it's got such velocity at the moment that I cannot for a minute believe it's going to fail. But who knows? Who knows? Because that's part of the excitement as well. Yeah. And if it fails, I will pick myself up and I will find out where we failed, what the point of failure is, and I'll fix it and I'll keep going at it. There's just no giving up. There's no. Mm. So, yeah. If you're asking me what, you, I think that's it. It's just like you've got to be single-minded. You've got to be focused. You've got to be absolute 100% belief and just go for it. Mm. Yeah. And fearless. Well, I guess this deserves a, a repeat episode after September and see where we are by yeah, then. I would love to come back and chat about where we are. <laughs> win, or, win or lose, I think it would be actually a worthwhile discussion, regardless of what happens. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming in. This has been extremely inspiring. And your fearlessness as well is definitely inspiring for, I'm sure, everyone who's listening and definitely for us in studio. Mm. so well, thank you. really appreciate you yeah, coming in awesome to have you that yeah. was nice guys thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of my product tested we'll check you next week mm.